Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to move your parish from maintenance to mission. Now, along with me today, I've got both Father James Mellon and Ron Huntley. Ron, can we take a moment and just... Welcome back, Father James. <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, we, so you haven't been on the podcast for the last few weeks. I know there's been a, a bit of travel, both uh, from members of our team and and from you. Yeah, there's been a number of trips. I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we did come, when I came back from my trip, the the production team were already over in London. <laughs> yes. That was after I came back from Dallas, I believe. It was a little foggy, uh, but we were in London for five days, yep. which was amazing. And if you've been listening to the podcast, we've already heard some of those stories. And just this past week, I was in the United States. I was in Loretto, Pennsylvania, doing so what speaking. Were you, what were you in Loretto for? Well, I was speaking to the Assembly of Capuchin Friars. So the, the Capuchins are... Uh, a cooking conference? The, no, it's, it, was on, it was on coffee. <laughs> Co- coffee and bacon. No, so, That's a good combination. So the Capuchins were a... Ref- are kind of a reform movement within the the, the order of St. Francis in the, really? in the 16th century. And they have a number of provinces in the United States. And this was the St. Augustine province, which is has its uh, mother house right in Pittsburgh itself. But they actually have priests all over um, the eastern part of the United States and also have missions in Puerto Rico and also Papua New Guinea. So mm. what was amazing is that this was the first time in a number of years they had all been together. There were novices and the older, more experienced friars. And there was about 110 of these guys, most oh, of them wow. in their big robes with the with the big the big hood. And what an amazing <laughs> community of men, of, of godly men. I just had such a great experience with them. I had a short time with them. We have a total of about four hours of presentations over, over the course of two days. Uh, but it was great to be with them and, and to see a, a community that's so full of hope and joy and and potential, like real, real potential. And yeah, so it was a great, great experience. Do they serve, because uh, I don't know, do they serve in parishes or is they? Yeah, they do a variety of things. Some of them uh, do street ministry, working with the poor. About 20% of their active guys are in parishes. I believe that that was the right okay, cool. amount of numbers. But they do university mm. chaplaincy. They do a wide variety of Depending things. Depending on their gifts, they, yeah. it sounds like they kind of set people up in areas. Well, out of curiosity, because we, we, we haven't had a chance to talk about any of this, what, what do you think... Why do you think? Why do you think they wanted you to come down? Like, what was the connection? What were they hoping you would speak on? That's what were the things point. you talked about? Well, I think the, like many of the requests we get, I, I think they they first contacted us like two years ago or something. So <laughs> <Yes>. it was, <laughs> it was uh, it, it, they, they they'd read the book, and so they wanted to address the whole issue of of parish renewal for for right. those who are in the parish, but also in a way that the underlying principles would would pertain to everyone. So the theme they specifically wanted me to speak on was m- the call to form missionary disciples. Oh, okay. The idea that that language, mm-hmm. even though it was it's been used in in recent documents and especially by Pope Francis, is not overly common. I mean, it's just really that the, even the term disciple is is only in the last 20, 25 years that in Catholic uh, vocabulary that term has 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 come into being used, but missionary disciple is is a term that is uniquely connected to uh, Pope Francis and especially the Aparecida document, right. which used that term, I think, 121 times in that document. That's driving the point home. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's such an important concept because we, we the word missionary, simply the Latin, is the, the English version of the Latin word for, of, for someone being sent. Yeah, so right. the, the Greek uh, equivalent is apostle. 
Apostle, the word apostle and missionary mean the, the exact same thing. Huh. And a lot of people don't know it. Apostolate in Greek means to be sent. Uh, a missionary is someone who is sent. So when we say even in the creed, one holy Catholic and apostolic, although for us it has the meaning of the fact that we're founded on the apostles and their successors in, ter in terms right. of the roles of the mm. bishop, the original meaning of apostolic, when we say the, the church is apostolic, is sent. it's a sent church. We're a sent church. We're a sent people. <clears throat> We have a purpose. We have a purpose. We have a mission. mission. Yeah, we're 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 called to we're called to go postal. In the sense that the, oh, that's to be postal. You know, apostle and postal they come from the oh, same. Oh, sorry, word. I had yeah, a different image. I know, it wasn't I know, always but appropriate. It's, so. but, it's, uh, but that's the sense of of it. We we've got a mission. We're 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 sent people. Jesus said, "As the Father sent me, so I send you," and and so it's the very is our very nature, and not just. Uh, as a as a church corporately, but mm -hmm. as individual believers. Mm -hmm. So I love one of the quotes Pope Francis has in Evangelii Gaudium. He says that this missionary identity it's not a it's not a badge. It's not a role that I can take mm -hmm. on and put off. It's 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 who I am. A mission. He says I am a mission am in mission. this world because we are apostolic. So disciples and apostles in the scriptures we often conflate them. It's like oh, the twelve disciples, the twelve apostles, whatever you <laughs> call cares? those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, dis thing, a disciple yeah. literally means student. Mm. A learner, one who is learning, and an apostle is one who's sent. Hmm. Now, when you say that, and I know where you just were, you, we, you had a chance to connect with somebody who very much understands yes. his role as an apostle and a real innovator, and that's our friend Pat Molyneux. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, because of the difficulty in connecting flights from, from <laughs> Halifax uh, to Pittsburgh and the fact that Loretta was a two-hour drive, so I had a bit of layover time, right. and I stayed right in Pittsburgh, had a, and Sunday night had a great chance to walk around the city and... Uh, but on sun on Monday morning, before we drove into the university for these for these meetings, had a chance to connect with Pat, and he is definitely very passionate about the call to missionary discipleship because it's not enough we're called to to make and form disciples, but we've got to help disciples be apostles, missionary yes. disciples. Mm -hmm. So Pat is is a, a business leader in that community who's been very who's very much a missionary disciple himself and. He, with a number of other local people, have formed a, a group called the Human Formation Coalition, and they're doing fantastic work using some of the resources that, that we've identified within Divine Renovation Ministry. So using Clifton Strengths Finders, which we use, and also a um, thing that uh, I can, it was not so much a test, but a, a tool that may not be familiar with everyone called APAST. And... Uh, it's a tool that was developed by by the um, by a man called a pastor called Alan Hirsch, and it's Ephesians four based. So the roles, the traditional roles of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, or pastor, teacher. But that's where the word apas comes from. And in the history of the church, we've turned we we've kind of looked at at uh, roles. You know, so who has the office of prophet or the office of a pastor or the, mm. the office of a, of a teacher? Who has the, the roles? Credentials. And, mm. and our traditional way of looking at baptism has been through the lens of the three munera, so priest, prophet, king. But these Ephesians 4s, the, 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 Ephesian, the charisms mentioned in Ephesians 4, have in many ways in our, in our Catholic experience not, have really been overlooked. And the fact that these giftings, these charisms reside in the hearts of all the baptized. Mm. They're different from an office or a role. But, and it's only when you activate all of these charisms in the, back, in the baptized will a, can, a, can any community or a church, a parish come to life. And so we, we all usually have about 
two of them that we're really strong in and will kind of d dominate. And it's, it opens up a whole world of understanding yes. because we need, we need all these gifts. You know, yeah. we're kind of like ap apostolic types. We want to go off and all three of us and, and do new things. And, and, and there are people who are more hardwired to be shepherds, to care for the, for the people that we have. Yeah. Um, so all of the giftings together bring balance. Love it. So mm. Pat is doing great work helping local church leaders and pastors using these tools. Love it. And I, I remember seeing an email from you, Ron. I think mm. you're asking all of the Divine Renovation parishes to go through the APEST. Uh, yeah, in preparation for the DR18 conference. And so for the, the day we have specifically set aside for those that are in the network, uh, we're going to do as an exercise that I think they're going to really enjoy and crack this open a little bit more because it's a real neat compliment to a really neat compliment to strength finders. Mm -hmm. and, and again, I love the work that Pat Molyneux and his team are doing to really invest in church leaders to help them understand this. You know, it's just a, it's another important piece of the puzzle. Because so in I Pittsburgh Archdiocese, doing. they're going through a very challenging time right now. They're going through a restructuring similar to the one that we're looking at doing here in the Archdiocese of Halifax, Yarmouth. Uh, very similar numbers, have very similar circumstances and they're you know they're fully aware that if we if you just change structure and, and and nothing else the restructuring will have to continue and the key to changing churches from the inside is through the leadership so let's try to come around the leaders and to help them and give them all the tools that they will need Mm. Consistent with our friends in Chicago too, right? Yep. Yeah. So I, I, there's Pentecost is, is past, and and we have already we're starting to get some <laughs> some pretty crazy stories. So let's talk about some of the things we're hearing from yeah, the, from, the, from some of the, the Pentecost challenge. <laughs> Pentecost. <laughs> Ron, well, what, what what is the Pentecost challenge? This is in the case the any Pentecost of our listeners or viewers yeah, don't know. It came out of our heart for we recognize lives are being changed like crazy. Uh, when we do what we call our game plan, is our, is our strategy to f how we form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Christ. And it's actually happening. And But we weren't necessarily measuring. Like we, As a church, we often measure how many holy hosts we give out in the run of a year, how many people we baptize, how many marriages, how many funerals. We may measure a lot of things, but I'm not sure that that necessarily captures when you're making disciples. And so we were trying to wrap our heads around that for quite a while. And then uh, at one point we came up with the idea, what if uh, we kind of asked people if they've had a transformational encounter with Jesus in the last 12 months and got them to raise their hand or something. Somehow so like we a have real to life count. change, like not that, yes. oh, I, you know, I was renewed in my faith or I did I, a Bible I study. Grow, I did a Bible <laughs> yeah. study. No, no, talking about, you know, I've, yeah. be, I've become a disciple. Yeah. I can say my life is being changed. I'm now a disciple of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a heck of a thing because in most churches, and I often quote this, the Angus Reid uh, research that was done a couple of years ago, of all the denominations in the United States, 50% of them well, actually, did, I challenge did not that, add a I think, single person. I think that stat, no, I could be wrong, but I think it's. I think it was something like 90%. So I really encourage our listeners and our watchers <laughs> to go and look because I'm holding to mine, he's holding to his, one of us is Somewhere right. between 50 and Either 90. way, I'm it's pretty, not pretty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember, I can't, I can't remember where I heard this quote, and I actually mm. tried to look for it the other day, mm. but I did think, I do remember it being much worse than that. It's like 80, 90%. Are you so, guys really arguing how, how bad are. things we are? are. Can, I, can we talk about how good things are? Because okay, I think so let's not talk are... about how, how good things are. Because the, the truth is that, yes, when the church is not who she is meant to, who, she, who she's called to be, we're not living out in a faithful way the fact that we're a sent church with a mission, 
that's th those are the results. And we get inward focused, right? When we step into that mission missionary identity and do the things that make a difference, it makes a difference. When we go postal. When we go postal, that's right. <laughs> now I know that's what that right. means. <laughs> well, one of the things that's fun, uh, and again, getting back to the whole challenge, is we decided we were going to do it. We thought the best time to do it was Pentecost, uh, the birth of the church, and, and, and really celebrate it. Because again, if culture is created by what we reward and what we celebrate, you know, a lot of people through Alpha and other mm. things, you know, we're returning to the sacraments of reconciliation for the first time in 20 years. Do we want to celebrate that? Yeah, you're darn right we do. <laughs> do we? No, we don't. <laughs> we don't have any way of capturing those types of things. Um, I remember years ago in Truro, a, a lady who hadn't received the Eucharist, goes to church every Sunday, stopped receiving the Eucharist years ago because of guilt and shame and all these other things. But through this process, came into a new relationship with Christ, received healing and forgiveness and returned to the sacraments. Do we measure that? No. And so our heart's desire is to measure it. Is it an exact science? No. But we want people to know that we measure it. Why? Because we value it. We expect it. And so so we did. We did it that one Pentecost. This well, you, was our third you one. You brought it up with me for a couple of years, Ron. You kept saying... How do we celebrate this? You know, because there's, for many people, there is a sacramental moment, but it's going to be the sacrament of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And although if all sacraments are public in the sense that they're sacraments, obviously, it's not like we did it in the early church. The early church, it was public, right? People <laughs> yeah, get up right. and they confess, confess in front sins. of everyone and they receive public uh, absolution. But we don't do that anymore. So how do we do it? How do we celebrate the thing that matters the most, making disciples? Mm. So that's what we do. So... Um, we did, if anyone can say in the last 12 months, Jesus Christ has transformed my life, please, please stand, come mm -hmm. to the front. We want to pray a blessing yeah. over you. So we've been doing that a number of years and we got, we're getting some of the stats out in because we asked her, not just network parishes, Anybody. but anyone yeah. to On do this, this. Right podcast, we said, hey, <laughs> yes. look, you know, go for it. If I you double dog so, dare you. <laughs> what were some of the numbers that, that you guys heard? Yeah, I don't know. You guys probably know better than me. Uh, well, th th there's a few, but I mean, I, I don't. I feel like I'm outing people, but it's it's an outing for all the right reasons. I mean, Father Michael Leclerc, who who uh, who's in Montreal. I mean, he was at exactly 100, I believe, was his number. That's people great. stepped forward to say that they've in the last year become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And put that in perspective, because Father Michael Leclerc was uh, in our first intern at Divine Renovation at Saint Benedict Parish, and. He, because of his time here, he thought, oh, I'm going to call the secretary and get some stats. And he asked his secretary, when's the last time we did an adult baptism at the Easter Vigil? It was 1978. And then to go from that to having 100 people stand up and say, I've had a transformational mm -hmm. encounter with Jesus this year, and I've decided to, and I've become a disciple. Like, and is, can you imagine that's and possible? And Sunday attendance is about <laughs> 700 or so. So if you think of those numbers <laughs> in proportion, yeah. it's <laughs> incredible. I think Father um, Mauro in, a, in, in Brisbane, Australia, had similar numbers. Yeah, he he's 90. This, he's 90, and he's got a church also of about 700 people. 600, yeah. 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 Like 700, yeah. Yeah, and of course, we had Father James Mackay on this podcast a couple times because we were with him in in, uh, in England just a, a few days ago, a few weeks ago. And then so he had, I believe, 96 come forward from his parish. And he posted a beautiful photo on Instagram of all these people oh, yeah, up on the it's like oh my gosh that is so <laughs> cool because these are people these are lives these Father are numbers Dan these Andrews, are lives I think I saw on Twitter he said about 104 people right and Father Michael Nixon some in down in Florida, down in Florida. similar numbers 
Uh, and we're, we still get information coming in. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of ter- churches I haven't been coaching since since we've done it. So I'll, I'll mm-hmm. learn a lot more. And what's neat is for any of our listeners who are interested, you can actually go on the uh, St. Benedict uh, uh, live stream and watch Father Simon Lead lead us through that. Through you that can process. watch the whole yeah. process. Yeah. Wonderful he did a beautiful job. The homily was fantastic. And so the, the, the key thing in it is that you the, the homily is about this. I mean, because it's the Feast of Pentecost. I mean, mm. the, the truth is, if the church is not reborn in every generation, it, it can cease to exist. It's so exciting, church. though, to see these parishes, to see these, these leaders bringing people to Christ and to have it so visible, right? Like what right. God is doing with these pastors. And, and it's, it's just amazing. Well, you know what, Dan, that reminds me because... You know, in in the coaching uh, this past week, you know, talking to a, a great team, and we we're talking about. I asked them if they'd had a chance to do it, and they didn't, which is okay. It, it really is. Uh, but then we started talking about why, and and the whys don't surprise me either because it's scary. And yeah. part of it is we don't want anybody to feel judged, yep. and we don't want to not include anyone. And I get those are great motives, and I really do understand them. But I think there is a way that we can do it tastefully. That 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 can feel very Catholic, because some people say, oh, that's not very Catholic, you call people up to the front. And, uh, but but we've had to wrestle with these things mm-hmm. because we're not trying to do anything that's, you know, I don't know, gonna scandalize people, it's not at all. But, you know, and some people say to me, you don't know what's going on in a person's heart. To which I say, you're right, that's why we ask. We yeah. dare to ask. They, because, they know what's going on, they, they, they know, decide. And they wanna celebrate it. The, the people that turned around after we prayed with them and everything else and were coming back had tears in their eyes and huge smiles on their faces. Why? Because they felt appreciated. You, don't think we clapped our faces off for them in <laughs> we celebration? Sure we yeah. sure did. Yeah. And and we want to show people that take that risk. That we love you. We care for you. And Father Simon quoted something you said, Father James, when you talked to one of those people, actually. But he said, guys, I just want you to know, we built this church. This church was built for you. And that, again, came right from a conversation you had with uh, a lady. But, you know, and then on the way back, somebody just gives me a great big hug. Like, they're filled to overflow. And one of the other things that that evolved, because each year we try to improve a little bit and tweak a little bit. One of the other things they did was Father Simon invited them into the St. Joseph's room on the way out, which is a room that, you know, could probably hold 30, 40 people, and uh, brought them in there. And, and then they started, and Eric Myatt was in there, and uh, one of our key volunteers and another staff member, and they just started asking people, why did you stand up? And they started telling their stories. And, and Eric shared with Father Simon that one of the things that he felt like, he said, Gosh, he said, Father Simon, it felt like we found this ancient treasure, this priceless, and we got to open up the top and peer into this, these, this preciousness as these people were sharing what God did in their lives. How can we not do that? Yeah, can you good. imagine not I, doing I, that? I don't, I don't see us going back. And by the way, that, that we built this church for you quote is actually, that's uh, Father Michael White's line. No. Yes, that's what Fa- that's Father Mike right. says. Yeah, I remember you so telling me that. I'll take credit any day for things that Father Mike White says. Yeah, yeah, Father James Mallon. Sorry, yeah. my friend. <laughs> so let me but, you know, but I just say, see this, that I don't, after doing this thing, this is our third year, say, I don't see how we can go back on this because in that action, what are we doing? We, we are, we are, reforming and shaping culture for sure because culture is shaped by what you celebrate and what you reward. And we're, we're celebrating it, and in, in celebrating 
change lives, reconciliation, people coming alive in their faith. We're, we're celebrating the very thing that God celebrates. Think of the parable Amen. of the prodigal son. Um, the, you know, the father kills the fatted calf. Mm. You know, are we killing the fatted calf? <laughs> right. Uh, no, we're not. And it, some places we might be, but we're killing the fatted calf for the wrong people, perhaps. Where we kill the fatted calf for the for the people who have stayed faithful and never laughed and and have been thirty years service. We often celebrate those things publicly, but I don't think that's really a reflection of 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 the, the heart of God. I mean, it's good. We need to affirm and support people who have always been faithful. You know, the older brother, you son, you have always been with me. You know, everything I have is yours. But it was right for us to celebrate. We had to. We had to. That's what matters. And and so I think it's beautiful. I hope this this tradition catches and happens. Well, let me all ask you a question place. about that because I think, you know, if I go if we rewind the tape here, you go back just a couple of years, maybe three, two, three years, a lot of what, you know, Saint Benedict was seeing these beautiful fruits. I mean, this is in, in terms of our time frame, yeah. that's roughly when you would have started the the Pentecost challenge. I don't think we called it that. I don't know what the heck you called it, but you know, you bravely stepped out there and did it. And you know, a lot of uh, maybe some of the criticism you might have had back then was well, it's because it's Saint Benedict and the, it was a merger of three parishes, or or the the pastor's a pretty good preacher there. But now we're seeing it in, in all these other other places. Yeah. Like, how does that feel for you? <laughs> it's in one sense, if we can say, it's absolutely vindicating in a sense <laughs> that that I always. I always said to people, look, I'm not that great. Like, you know, James Mallon but by himself is a train wreck. Trust me. You know, oh, yeah, I do have all these gifts, but you want to see all the gifts I don't have? Uh, because I, there's a lot that I don't have. Because I do believe that these, these, this whole model of divine renovation is are rooted in key principles, live values in, mm. in, in your context. And no matter who you are, if you, if you live these principles and, and get it right, your church will move in the right direction. Mm. And that's the direction of bearing fruit, and there's fruit that will last. And there's measurable fruit that you'll have to show for. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things we were talking about recently is the number of parishes in our network who in one year, one and a half years of being in the network have doubled their, their Sunday income. <laughs> They've doubled their income. All you pastors, you hearing this? Bishops, are you hearing this? If any listen. It's if you make disciples, if you cast vision, if you get people excited and on board and actually even teach about the, the, the responsibility to give, people respond. The change lives, increase giving. Yes. Oh, and, when it's, you make- and it's happening in far off places, in, in, <laughs> in parishes that are poor, in parishes in Australia, in England, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. UK. And Just an Halifax. interesting contrast, those two. But uh, first of all, it's not a guarantee that if you apply divine renovation, you're going to double your income. But what it is, what is so cool is that we see that 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 people are feeling moved to give in a new way. They're feeling moved to serve in a new way, and that some of that is measurable through things like the Sunday collection. Well, and that's the whole thing of the culture of stewardship, isn't it? People, yeah. once you realize whose you are mm. and how much you're loved. Boy, it really moves you to respond. How time, talent, and treasure. And, and I, I, you know, I think to myself, I guess it could be a, a responsibility to give, but I also, I, more than that, I see it as an opportunity. Like well, our, this mission that Jesus has given the church is worth investing in, uh, of, and that includes my money. And it's so much fun. It, it's not what we want from the you. The traditional measurements, you know, you mentioned the, the things we measure in the past, the traditional me- measurements was, you know, people who register for parishes, people say, well, we get so many parishes in our, who are registered, uh, Sunday attendance, so people who, who and, and, then, and then giving. So those who sign up, show up and cough up. Right? <laughs> but the only one of these measurements that, that actually reflects 
spirit, a shift in spiritual health mm-hmm. is financial giving. Uh, proportional, so per, per capita giving, when that goes up, it's a reflection of something going on, right. for Can sure. Can I bring up something on that note? Um, one of the interns that's currently at St. Benedict, one of the priest interns that's currently at St. Benedict is going to... He, Got an assignment, so he knows as he transitions from Halifax back into his diocese where he'll be ministering, he's got his assignment. So he's really excited to start asking very particular questions to us when we get together with him from here on in, first time here. So I'm really excited about that. But he also started doing some research because he and I are going to be giving a workshop together at Divine Renovation 18 Conference on Sacraments, uh, Father Matthew. And so... Anyway, one of the bits of research he found uh, from his diocese was one church, same amount of people, but in the last five years has gone from 800 people with envelopes to 300 people, envelopes in par. And so to your point of, of discipleship and growing disciples, giving is often a reflection of a transformed heart. Yeah. You can have the same amount of people in your pews five years later giving goes down, that's probably an indication that you're heading in a direction you're not going to be happy with. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, state yeah. the obvious, but um, it really is important to, it really is important to ask ourselves, what are we measuring? And the Pentecost challenge was an effort to measure something we knew was so important, yeah. but didn't quite know how to do it. One of the things we're not measuring, but we're kind of astounded by, is, and we've joked about it on this podcast before, is this weird job market that's popping up around <laughs> Divine Renovation parishes that so yeah. many of them are actually in the process of mm-hmm. hiring. And so we were talking about what we're going to do about it to try and help. Yeah, you have some good ideas because we Because we want to connect the right people with those positions because these positions at these parishes are they're critical, right? And so we don't want, we, we want those pastors to have the right person on team. So what, what we've agreed to do, <laughs> now that we're saying it publicly, we're locked in, guys. <laughs> Uh, what we've agreed to do is we want to be able to, to share those job postings with with people from our via our website and via the Divine Renovation mm-hmm. app. So so parishes in the Divine Renovation those are parishes that are those parishes that are on mission. Yes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna post the jobs that that they've got so that people around the world can see the opportunities in case they feel called to go and serve in those parishes. Right. And when we say on mission, we mean specifically in the Divine Renovation network. That's right, so these yeah. people have signed up. They're being coached. They've read the book. Yeah. They've read the guidebook. Uh, the pastor's meeting with Father James once a month. Like, we are heavily investing in these churches. And what often happens, these churches are at the beginning of their journey, so they're they're going in a new direction. And what do you say? Mm-hmm. If you want to go in a new direction, hire from outside. Hire from outside. If you've already got yeah. a, a strong culture, hire from within. These folks need help from the outside. They need people who have missionary hearts and are willing to learn how to, you know, to perhaps a new strategy for a parish context. Mm-hmm. And, and just last week when I was on one of my cohorts, I think like two thirds of the guys are like, yeah. are hiring the directors of evangelization, uh, directors of discipleship, uh, music directors to do contemporary music and uh, personal assistants right. to help them. So it's like, my goodness, like we could, we should have a whole job board here. So yeah, let's <laughs> well, do it. It's true. And, and it's so key. And you know, my dream is if I could have a crazy wild dream in terms of what this could look like. You know, I think about places like Steubenville and how wonderful they are creating people are just on fire. You know, you think about great organizations like the CCO or Focus Focus in the United States. I mean, just raising up unbelievable people, turning them into beautiful disciples, missionary disciples. And sometimes it's not always easy to transition from 
one particular type of ministry, like university ministry, into parish ministry, particularly if the pastor's not on board. And so your 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 zeal and your enthusiasm can get quickly dashed. And uh, I know I've experienced that, and I know a lot of other lay people who listen probably have too. But to be able to place people with that kind of heart, that kind mm-hmm. of conviction, that kind of identity into a church that's connected into the Divine Renovation Network, I think gives them a really exciting Mm. opportunity. So if that's you, if you're connected to our podcast somehow and you find any of this inspiring, you think, God has a call on my heart. I want to move out of being an engineer. I want to move out of business. I want to move out of sales. I want to move out of whatever it is you're involved with. I really believe that that there is a, a movement all over the world. And if you want to travel, <laughs> a movement all over the world uh, to go to go get people for Christ. So I think this is a great time for us to pause because we're about to bring in someone from somewhere else in the world. <laughs> and it happens to be our own local but distant guy, Pat Ryan, who's been an intern with us now for several months. And I, I'm so excited to bring him on because he's with us here in Halifax for just a, a few more weeks. And so to hear some of his story and some of his experiences, it's going to be really exciting. So we'll be right back with Pat Ryan. Have you ever read books or listened to talks on parish renewal and leadership and thought, that's good for them, <laughs> but how would that ever happen in my parish? And do these people even know what it's like to be in a parish? How do you bridge the gap between the theory and real life parish? The Divine Renovation Association exists for all those reasons. It's created for and by people who have lived it and are living it right now in real life parishes. I believe that every parish potential to impact the world around it. I believe that every leader has the capacity to be a better leader. I believe that every parish can be so much better and more exciting than it currently is. And we want to help with that, to help you and your team to move your parish from maintenance to mission. Welcome back. And on set with us is Pat Ryan. Pat, it is so good to see you, buddy. So great to be here. I feel like I'm inviting you into the podcast, but the reality is you've been here at so many of these shoots before. You've just been off camera. Yeah, I've just been in the background <laughs> some filming. You've been doing great. We really appreciate it. You're part of the team that, that has on, on, appeared on set for for, uh, for the podcast, for, for other things that we do here in the studio. But now you're in front of the cameras because we're hoping to learn a little bit about what brought you here to begin with. Yeah, well... I suppose my journey started two years ago when Mary and I left home to, left Australia, that is, to go to London and, to travel. And, and, who, and who's, who's... Mia is my Mia. wife. Mia's <laughs> yes. Mia is your wife. We love Mia. Yeah, Mia's yes. over there. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, we got married in January and then we wanted to go on a, a world travelling adventure. So we went to London to, I'm a physiotherapist, so my journey was to, to physio, Mia was to teach and we were going to live in London for two years and visit all these exotic European places and then go back to Australia. That was the plan. Uh, ending up in a basement in Halifax recording a uh, podcast. <laughs> not, <laughs> not part of the plan. Yet here you not are. At all. Yeah. <laughs> so, how did, okay, so, Pat, help us understand how did you encounter Divine Renovation? Yeah. So, um, one thing I will say is before. Uh, before heading off to London, I'd always had this dream of, of working in youth ministry. Um, ever mm. since I was about 16 years of age, I went to a, went to a youth camp somewhat reluctantly and had a fairly powerful experience of God. I didn't know it at the time, but it, it heavily impacted um, a lot of my decisions. And where it hit home for me was actually at Mary and I's at our wedding in January that year. We, I was looking out and I commented, I leaned over to me and I said, 
look who's in this room. Like I've added, out of all the people I could have invited, the friends that I invited were the ones that were part of my youth ministry experience. Mm, wow. And that really hit home to me about how significant a part of it was in, in my life. And so I said, look, I wonder, you know, I want to go traveling, I want to do this. But when we go, when we come back home, I'd really be interested in exploring doing some youth ministry, which is a really hard thing to do. There's not many jobs available in Australia. So I thought, you know, let's travel for a few years and then worry about it. Then, uh, yeah, then we went to London and, um, well, I thought maybe there'll be an opportunity here and explored some youth ministry positions, got absolutely nowhere. And then said, I was about to send out, I had my, my CV, my applications for physio jobs. I was about to send them all out. We moved to, uh, to Wimbledon in the southwest of London. And uh, I thought, look, I'll try one more. I'll just try the local church. I'll just give it a go. And so we, um, I Google Maps where a local Catholic church was in Wimbledon. It was about a 15-minute walk away in like middle of nowhere. And I walk up, there's a really steep hill up to Sacred Heart in Wimbledon. And uh, I literally just rang the doorbell that day and said, like any need for a youth minister at this parish? <laughs> That's awesome. You're crazy. It's such a bad thing to do. I love it. to get a, you know, thanks for coming along. And <laughs> we wish you all the best, but no. They said, oh, just hold on a tick. And um, I spoke to Thelma was uh, was there and she's a beautiful woman. And she said, look, I just see Father John's around and um, had a conversation with him. And they said, well, actually, we <laughs> do need a youth minister. Um, it had been 14 months since they had a youth minister. Uh, that morning in their team discussion, they're going, what are we going to do about this youth ministry position? They had advertised, got no one. That's so crazy. <laughs> I can't even imagine <laughs> them. Yeah. Like, talk about an answer oh, to yeah. prayer. A guy literally yeah. knocks on your door. Uh, <laughs> so that happened. And then one of the, uh, yeah, uh, so got, got underway with that uh, youth ministry position, met lots of cool people. And one of the people in that parish was Joe DePaula who works for Alpha. Oh, She's okay. a parishioner at, at, mm-hmm. at Sacred Heart and Wimbledon, and she'd just come back from Halifax from the DR16 conference. And someone said, like, you gotta, you got to meet Jo. Um, you know, I'm like, great, I'll get her involved in youth ministry. She sounds like she's on fire. <laughs> um, so I came to Jo and I said, Jo, look, I've got this exciting vision for youth ministry, what happened, needs to happen at Sacred Heart. You know, in a, in a pathway of faith that's engaging, inspiring, and life-changing, like, will you join my team and we do all this? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, hold on a tick. <laughs> Have you read this book? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, she's like, oh, this, this guy, Father James Mallon. I, I, I heard Father James Martin because I'd read a, read a book by Father James Martin, a Jesuit priest, got some yes. cool books. Yep. I had no idea where she was going. And so it actually took me a few months until I cottoned on to what she was saying and started reading this book. And I started reading this book, the Divine Renovation book, and it really fired me up. I got, this is, this is incredible. And, um, but there's always that skepticism around, you know, what looks good on paper isn't mm. necessarily um, good in action. So that was sort of the, the start of a seed plant about, I wonder if on our way home from London, we could just pop via Canada. And that's that's <laughs> where it started. <laughs> Australians, they think yeah, differently. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not that far to go. It's their playground. That's a great way to encounter yeah. it's a divine renovation. Uh, you know, Father James' book and Joe. Joe's amazing. Mm. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad she, she put you on to it. So who yeah. reached out? Like, how did that happen? Like, so it came from, okay, I'm skeptic. Is this for real? Like, how yeah. did it go from that to you land, you guys landing, yeah, yeah. cutting your trip in England short and coming here? Well, the first one I had to talk to was Mia. <laughs> <laughs> She's a decision maker. So, um, yeah, we just started talking about it and... And going, you know, I wonder if it would be possible just to, to check it out because I was thinking, look, I was really enjoying the youth ministry work. Maybe there's, I would like to consider working in a church in Australia. 
And one of the, uh, so I suppose youth ministry was my, my onboarding into, into working in, in church ministry. And it's a, does, it's a thing that fires me up. But the thing that I've noticed the most is um, good youth ministry isn't about good youth ministry mm. in the sense that good youth ministry needs to be embedded in a community mm. of faith. Yeah. I've been to much better youth ministries where they're not engaging young people longer term because it's not embedded in, in something solid. Yeah. Um, and there's some really uh, lots of some great studies, particularly one by Christian Smith in the States, and he's got a book, Young Catholic America, that, that tracked people over a period of time. And the, the youth that were still engaged in their faith, the, the key factor was having uh, ideally a parent, but a key adult who was supporting them in their journey. Mm-hmm. And so it's to... Um, so, you know, this transition into working into parish um, renewal is actually a key way of, of transforming youth ministry as well. But, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how that's all tied into place. So, yeah, so we, um, I thought it'd be cool just to visit this place and, you know, say I've been there and maybe just check it out for a weekend. <laughs> your Father James um, Ardegar, come yeah, sign exactly your book. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, but when you reached out to us, I yeah. remember when it, your request yeah, first so this, this was... Yeah, so this is a bit later Okay, on. so it developed. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So good. I'll get so. to that. So we were... Um, Actually, I remember this conversation with me. I just introduced her to the book. We'd watched uh, one of the live stream videos, and um, we were this we're in uh, in it was Christmas 2016. We're in France. Um, had uh, my brother and sister-in-law had some family over there. Had this amazing, uh, amazing Christmas lunch there. Anyway, we were sitting down in a cafe Christmas morning, and um, and we we're talking like, I wonder if we could if we could spend some time in Canada. And um, we we worked out at that point that. St. Benedict did some priest internships. And I'm like, I wonder if they do, like a lay internship, like maybe it'd be cool to actually spend a serious amount of time there and learn a bit more before we head back home. And that's where that ball started rolling. Yeah. And, and then we were reaching out to connecting through through the Alpha office, through Joe and through Mike Roach and all those people there. We said, like, you know, do you <laughs> think this would be, you you could would be possible to, to reach out to these guys? And, <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, reached out, um, reached out to you guys and... Um, this was this was only like April last year, just before the leadership conference mm, in, that's right. uh, in London. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, as I recall, mm-hmm. now you might have a different recollection of the event, but I think when they reached out for an internship, a, a lay internship at at, uh, at St. Benedict, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Yep. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. We we were really struggling with, you know, how do we do this in a sustainable way? And mm-hmm. sadly, it meant that we. We just simply couldn't say yes, no yeah. matter how wonderful uh, you Well, were. we didn't know they were wonderful or not. It was yeah. just yeah. pretty <laughs> easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It was just a request. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. no. We got a lot of requests. Because it takes yeah. support, right? Because okay. if you bring somebody over, you need to create a space at a time and a place where they can be supported, integrated. And at the parish level, we're still responding to so many requests from all over the world mm-hmm. of different parts of what it meant to run our parish in a particular mm-hmm. way. So this, we just didn't have any more bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember uh, my, my experience of, of you guys, uh, you know, expressing an interest in the internship. I can remember sitting with Bill Scholar, the guy who has your old job, right? Yes. So, so the guy, he's, he's at St. Benedict Parish now. And Bill and I were talking about, about you and, and, and Mia specifically. And uh, we'd already given you a no, and uh, but but then we had we had run into you in London. <laughs> now I don't know how accidental it was. <laughs> no, we we ran into yeah. you in London because yeah. Father James was there speaking for at, at LC yeah. seventeen Leadership Conference seventeen, yeah. and uh, and so there was a number of people from St Benedict Parish because we we often send a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, so there was a number of people there, and then we we bumped into you. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I remember that. I remember that day. I was um, Father James was giving his uh, his workshop, and I stood up and asked a question at the end. And I said, Father James, like, um, you know, you've got this amazing staff. You've got these amazing lay people here in London, and some back home. Like, if you were to take, you know, those fourteen staff and and take them to a parish and to a pastor to a parish priest that's that's not on fire, uh, would it work? And I remember the quick answer saying, no, I would not work. So that was yeah, you that, that asked that question. Asked that question. I, I remember, remember the question. I didn't remember it was him. Because, you know, I was thinking, like, how could this work? Like, I'm fired up, I want to do something, but mm. how important is the pastor's mm. role? And you're like, well, it is crucial. Yep. And um, Disheartening. And so, yeah, it is. That's totally disheartening because yeah. I know there's so many lay people out there who are so fired up and who really want to do something, but... In a parish setting, the, the the crucial role that the pastor plays is is pivotal. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I remember really, yeah, challenging and asking that question, and um, and then uh, being in London, and um, to be honest, like, kind of only been there a few months, and so I didn't, I didn't know anyone else at that conference. I'm like, I'll just hang out a bit at the end and have it. I'll come and introduce myself to you guys. And then I found out you wanted to go to a pub, so I'm like, all right, well, I'll take you guys to a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Australia. Yeah, I love beer. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That's right. That's when we first met you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all coming back now. Yeah. That's right. And so, um, yeah, I just had, had some, um, yeah, hung out with you guys, and Mia came down after work. and um, Fell in love yeah. with you guys, and then yeah. we had to yeah. go back yeah, to our I think it was like we, we really liked you, and it was like, it was. okay, <laughs> yeah. how can we, what can we, what can we, can we make up? something <laughs> Maybe. He said he's good at sweeping. Yeah. <laughs> really good at making eggs. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I can remember when Bill Bill Scholard and I sat down and we did an interview with with uh, you and, and with mm. Mia, and we we had it was just it was a tremendous conversation, and I don't remember the details of it, but I remember we we, we got off. I remember closing the laptop, and Bill and I looked at each other and went. We have to figure this out. We're going to make this work, yeah. and and we just we, we it was on our hearts that no, we had to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and so it wasn't that long after that uh, we found we we accelerated your plans, yep. and we brought you into town even quicker than you anticipated. Yeah, we we booked flights for like late November, yeah. still anticipating on kind of getting our last European trips in because you know it's yep. so easy to travel around Europe when you're in London. So we um, yeah we. Uh, we were actually in Italy, in Rome at the time when we, we spoke to you guys. And um, and then, yeah, we had to do the mad scramble to book our flights and we we're all there within a few weeks after that. So October okay. October 20 last year. So you, you arrived just in time to experience the fullness of the Canadian winter. Correct. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of snow because these guys lived with me and, and I was always so disappointed. I coun't wait for a good snow, but... Oh, that was enough snow for we me. Did. <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of shoveling. My, my back was terrible. So what, yeah. what was your expect? I mean, as you look back now, what, yeah. what were you, your, say, your main expectations when you both of you got on the plane and came over? Um, well, I always approach things with an openness and a hope. So um, I wanted to get out of the experience and opportunity to, to see what goes on behind the scenes and, and see what the, the, the people are like, what the characters are like and what the culture's like because it's talked about, but you can't really get a feel for it until you're actually in there and you're embedded in it. Mm-hmm. And so I expected to see a, you know, a loving culture and a culture which is raising people up, but I was still sceptical about, you know, would that really happen? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I remember we flew in on a Friday afternoon and Friday night, Alpha was on. Uh, Sunday was That's Connect right. Group. Like we just got straight into it. No time to rest. It so um, sounds like us, doesn't yeah. it? All in him too. And so, um, yeah. I mean, I was I was just struck by 
initially, I, I remember actually the first all-staff meeting, I think it was probably that week. <laughs> <laughs> Rob got up and was talking, um, he was quoting from Proverbs, with, with humility comes wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting, you know, you guys are, uh, are world leaders in this and, you know, I was you know, a bit, bit scared, a bit intimidated coming in. Like, I liked you guys, I knew you, but I was still that sense of these guys are really going to know their stuff. And um, I was, what I was so struck by was the humility and the openness of you guys and how you were so willing and open to learn from others, to learn from me. Like, we were, we were saying things from the get-go and you were really listening and, and taking note of what we said and just really struck by that. Yeah. It's, it is fun to, to, to reflect on, on some of those, those earliest experiences. Now, Pat, your mm-hmm. role at Divine Renovation has been all over the place. Yep. Uh, you have, like, in, you know, we're, we're still a small team. Yeah. And so as a result, you know, we all pick up and do whatever it happens to be on the move. And I know you've been a tremendous gift to us because of your, your flexibility of your gifts. But let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, in the last, whatever it's been, uh, 10 months, 9 months? Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. so in, in that time, what are some of the things that you've done that you've been most excited about? What are the things that you've picked up and been part of that you've been like yeah. that was crazy and fun yeah well i think as an intern i wasn't expecting to uh to do a huge lot and i remember uh, dan and i we sat down in january to nut out like the strategic plan for what divine innovation is <laughs> going to look like around the world okay let's do that um so it's been really fun to you know look at the big picture about you know what what can this and will this actually look like? That draft of the strategic plan yeah. is the strategic yeah. plan. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, so that's been cool. Um, you guys have been talking a lot about the uh, measuring success in our parishes and, and that's mm. one of the things I was really pushing when we first got here. I'm like, I hear you guys talk about it, but what are we doing as a whole ministry to measure what we're actually going to do? Because there's so many cool initiatives, so many cool ideas, so many things in that strategic document. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to be the most successful. We have a gut feeling of it, but you need to be able to measure that. And so being involved in that and just this week starting to actually call the parishes and hear some of the amazing stories has been, um, yeah, been a real privilege. Yeah, what's that been like for you? Like, what are you hearing in their voice? Yeah, when they're, well, like, they're just so places? excited. They've only been part of the network, the coaching network for a year. And, and you know, like we said from the, the Pentecost Challenge, hearing, you know, 90, 100 people stand up and they're just so excited to, to say that and they're, like, yeah, a year ago we had nothing. Um, you know, our, our, our giving has doubled in that time and we're just being, seeing so many people come alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a real privilege to, yeah, to hear some of that. So, so you've been with us for for some time. You're going to be with us throughout the uh, the DR18 Halifax mm. conference, the conference we're having here yeah. just uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, then you're going back to Australia. And uh, what are some of your hopes for, for Australia? I mean, given all, what you've experienced here, what you've what you've learned from from the people that are pardon me, the, the people that are connected with our network, and what what are some of your hopes for Australia? Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, I think I'll go home and I'll. I'll Google the local parish and, and just not. Bernie James, this worked for me last time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's so exciting to see the impact that divine renovation is happening around the world. And so uh, Australia, the Australian church, just like the church over here, like the church in so many places is in a real crisis point and, and really needs to go through a process of being inspired and being equipped to, to become, in parishes in particular, to become missional. And so I really, uh, really desire and have a, a great dream of, of seeing that happen in Australian parishes. And so, you know, it's, it's been so exciting to see what's happened in, 
in the UK with Hannah there. Um, his UK coordinator. Yeah, Hannah yeah. is the UK coordinator with Divine Renovation. It'd be awesome if we could open up a Divine Renovation office in Australia. And yeah. um, I know that Lorraine and Greg are doing some great work in, in really promoting that in Australia. It'd be so awesome to come alongside them and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to be uh, to be working in, uh, to be finding a parish where there's someone excited, a pastor in particular is excited to to go about this process of becoming missional, really want to come alongside them. and um, There are so many, There's, I mean, we're seeing so many cool things uh, happen in Australia. And I, I think of the 40, the 40 people from yeah. Australia that are about to fly. <laughs> like that's like a 20, 23, long, yeah. 24 hour Another flight, right? Journey. Yeah. yeah, they're flying here to Halifax for the conference in yeah. just two weeks. I mean, like the enthusiasm down there and God bless the people on the ground. I think of Lorraine and, and others, but they're doing amazing work in that country and just to, to till the soil and get people excited about the possibilities. Yeah. And so, and, and then you're going to Australia and then we're, then we're sending you to Australia, but we're letting you come back. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll come back till I get an accent like his though. <laughs> yeah, so you can have a glass of water. <laughs> water. Water, water. Uh, actually, I'm going to be in Australia as well. Um, I'm going Am I the only one here who's not going to have to come down? One second now. Well, I, I'm going to New Zealand, but I'm taking a few extra days to just it's not Drop that close. Melbourne. Like New Zealand is not that close. Yeah, not, <laughs> relatively speaking, it's close. It's like four-hour flight or something yeah. like that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, from Christchurch to Melbourne. So I'm going to come to Melbourne and see you guys awesome. in September. Be great. I've got a question for you, mm. Pat. Just in terms of, of culture, like you know, the Catholic Church is around the world, mm. and uh, you know, we have our local context of what we experience here. What is how, what you're seeing in the church, what's going on in Australia, and where are the similarities, where are the differences? Mm, this yeah. will help me prepare my talks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very selfish question. <laughs> I think, well, yeah, like the tendency is, I know when I was in Australia, is to think that, you know, it's just so different. Um, and I was thinking the UK church is so different, the the North American, the US, the Canadian church is so different, but they're, the more I've you know, been in the UK, the more I've been over here, there are just so many similarities. and. Mm. Um, you know the the rate of decline in in parishes in in priests uh, you know is probably more so over here than is in Australia. We tend to think we've got we've got it the worst. Mm. Um, what I will say is in you know what Australia is going through at the moment is still in the thick of um, the child abuse um, mm. issues, and so you know even just this week um, the bishop, the archbishop in Adelaide, has stepped down over being convicted of covering up, um, of not coming forwards about um, allegations. So, you know, we're still right in the thick of it in Australia. And the oh, church pain. is hurting yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, I know so many, so many of my, um, so many of my peers who, you know, even I went through youth ministry with, uh, you know, are really struggling to be involved in the faith because they see so much hurt. And they're like, why would I get involved in that? You get disillusioned. Absolutely. And Father James has a chapter yeah. of that in his book. Yeah. Yeah. Divine yeah that's why I, I I think it's a, if we're going to talk about overall renewal of the church, mm. <laughs> we got to, this open gaping wound in, mm. our, in our church is, is, is a part of it. It is, is part of the symptom of the lack of health mm. uh, and the lack of focus in our church and, and, and the struggle with leadership, the way that we, the leadership is carried out within the church. But it's also a, a deeply painful issue for, for priests, mm. for, for, for lay people, and mm. not to mention, of course, the the people who suffered abuse themselves, who for every time these things are in the news, it must surely be like reliving things mm. again. So we're still, news recently from Chile and mm. Australia yeah. shows that although in some places we've, we, I think we've, we've dealt well with this, 
eventually uh, that we've still got a ways to go. And mm. it's part of the renewal effort as well. Mm. Painful part. Yeah. So, Pat, as, as you travel back to Australia, and, I, you know, I've, I've said this to you before, and I'm happy. You've been such a tremendous asset to us. I have even, I've gone so far, Ron, as being willing to accuse you of a capital crime so you can't leave. <laughs> we don't want to leave. We don't want to lose you at, at, at headquarters here at the Vine Renovation. But, I mean, our, our hope for you is that, you know, whatever you do when, when you land in, in Australia, that you continue to be part of, of this ministry and this renewal because you are such a gift to the things that we see happening really? all around the world. Now, we've... We, we We've got a couple uh, interns, you, of course, being mm-hmm. one of them. I'm thinking of Joel, who's also in studio today. He's, he's our, our most recent uh, lay intern. Now, he's only here for a short time. But what advice would you give to, to someone who was crazy enough to <laughs> want to be an intern with Divine Renovation? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> be bold. And if you, if you feel a calling and feel fired up to do it, then, then reach out. And, and the beauty is that, you know, eight months down the track now is that it's not just St. Benedict Parish that you can intern at. We've got so many parishes that are mm. now going through their own journey that you might be able to find a place like Reach Out. I think so many priests are calling for lay people to come around them to support them. Yeah. Um, there's such a need for it. So if you feel that calling, do it. Yeah, really and, and as a word of caution, I'd say the same thing to them that I would say to you is we're looking for you to come with the support of your bishop, your parish in terms mm. of the financial resources Absolutely. because we, we don't have resources to, to pay for those internships. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people are able to come, we're open to the conversation mm. uh, with a degree of hesitation, though, because we're always a little worried about yes. just how much we can we can manage. And that is my main hesitation. My main concern going home is and I, this is what I'd love to do, but the, the main limitation is going to be financial. I mean, yeah. we're... Me and I, uh, you know, we'd love to have children of our own and uh, you can't work in ministry and earn a pittance and still yeah. bring up a family. And I've got a mission to bring up a family as well as, a, you know, a call to, to, mm. to work in the parish and to, to work in the church renewal. So, you know, it's, it's going to be the biggest challenge. Well, and those are some of the issues we're exploring, not that mm. it's our responsibility to solve other yeah. churches' issues for them, but they're ours too. But we're trying to think about that. Like, how do we pay a just wage? Yeah. Just like you have a profession as a physiotherapist therapist, yep. me as a profession, as a teacher, how do we pay competent, passionate mm. lay people uh, a just wage so that they can use their gifts in yeah. a church in a way that has incredible impact? Mm. It's a challenge. We have to think very differently. Absolutely. And I don't necessarily think we have the answers. We're starting to explore them. Mm. We're talking to a lot of people who know more about this stuff than we do. Mm. And we're going to have to innovate. We're going to have to experiment so that we can get people like you into churches mm. to make humongous differences. Like I came out of the pharmaceutical industry. Bill Scholar, who works with us, came out of the, you know, he's an executive in a, in a beer company. I mean, we are pulling people out of great careers, great jobs, and using their gifts to make a great difference. And we want to keep that going. So, mm. you know, if there's anybody listening out there that this speaks to your heart and you're somebody of means and would like to partner with us, we would love to talk to you because we need to find ways to finance this mission that we mm. believe God has called us to. Mm. So, Pat, given this is this is probably your last time to be here on this side of the cameras for the podcast, mm-hmm. is, there any, is there anything you want to share or say with us or with people out there who are, who are watching and joining us? Thing. Thank you to you guys for, for accepting um, and saying yes. And, um, and yeah, just challenge everyone out there to, who does feel that call to, to seriously discern that and to seriously question it and don't see, don't see the finances as an um, immovable barrier because I think there's totally ways to do it. 
it's just really hard to do and, and we're exploring ways and people around the world are doing it. So, right. um, yeah, to say yes. Mm. Pat, it's so great to hang out with you. I love hanging out with you, even when we got microphones pointed at our faces. It's always such a joy to, to, yeah. to spend time with you, man. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to download the Divine Renovation app. It's in both the Apple App Store and the Google App Store, whatever those stores are actually called. Uh, hop on, download the app. It's the best way to connect with this uh, this podcast. Also, let me challenge you to, to consider con- supporting this ministry. Uh, this ministry works hard, and we've everything here is paid for, frankly, by donations. And so if, if you feel called to support the ministry, you can do it actually right through the app. And for as little as something like $10 a month, it would actually make a huge difference for us as we continue to try and build up people all over the world to try and make God's kingdom both an exciting place and a a missional place. Thank you so much for joining.